Today's scripture reading uh, comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Please rise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome again, all of you, to this gathering of New Hope Fellowship. It's, uh, it really is great to see all of you and to uh, sing songs of praise and songs of trust in the Lord together. And it's a, it's a great privilege for us to study God's Word together, too, this morning or this afternoon. Not just because, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's another Lord's Day. It's another Lord's Day, but this happens to be the first Lord's Day of this new year. We are one week into 2024, and as we travel through the rest of this year, we're going to need help. We're going to need direction from the Lord. The book of the Bible that Timothy just read from, the book of Proverbs, offers us just that. It offers us help and direction. More specifically, the book of Proverbs offers us wisdom. So, what I hope to do over the next three weeks is to glean some wisdom for this new year. Wisdom for a new year. That's what we're looking at for the next three weeks. Wisdom from the book of Proverbs. On each of these next uh, three Sundays, what we're going to do is ask one basic question per week. One basic question about how to approach this new year. So today is week one, and we're asking, who will I trust? And then week two, we're going to ask, who will I fear? And then week three, which way will I go? The Proverbs, I believe, are going to help us to answer these questions with wisdom. So let's define that word, first of all. For starters, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? It's more than intelligence, right? I'm sure you all would agree. Intelligence is important, but wisdom is something else. It's, it's more than just the accumulation of knowledge. We might say that wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. It's to take information and apply it well to life circumstances. I'd argue that wisdom equips us to navigate life. And it, it, to navigate life in true wisdom equips us to navigate life in such a way that aligns with God's will, that aligns with God's design for the world that he created. And the book of Proverbs teaches us this very skill. In fact, it's designed to teach us this very skill. Because in its pages, Jesus Christ comes alongside us. He, he's the wisest man who ever lived. And he instructs us through these pages. Jesus Christ is wisdom personified. He's not just an expert on life. He's, he's the actual author of life. And so who better to tell us how to navigate life than him? So today's question is, who will I trust? In other words, as we walk into this new year, where am I going to put my confidence? Where are you going to put your confidence and your reliance as you walk through 2024? Let's look again at this passage that Timothy just read to us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. 
It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. There are three directives here. And then there's this one beautiful word of assurance at the end. So we're going to look at these three directives and that one word of assurance. Directive number one is simply this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the key phrase here is all your heart. All your heart. Can you think with me? Just take a moment to think of someone who you used to trust, but you don't trust anymore. Now, I know, I know that's, 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 a, that's a fraught question. It's difficult. I don't mean to, to bring up uh, awful memories, but, but I hope this is useful for us. Just to take a moment, uh, who's someone you used to trust, but you don't trust anymore? And, and, and why don't you trust them anymore? What did they do or what did you learn about them that caused you to stop trusting them? And now, now, can you, can you think of someone who you do trust, but you trust with limitations? There, there are some pretty clear boundaries to your trust in them. I'll give you a very silly example. Some years ago, it's not, it, it's, you'll, you'll see if it's sillier now, but some years ago, my son needed surgery on his leg. Um, it, was, it was a serious matter. And our family, we trusted a medical team to, to drug this poor boy, put him in a state of unconsciousness, and cut open his leg. And the reason we trusted them to do that is because we believed that they were competent when it comes to such procedures. And they were, thankfully. But at the same time, although we trusted them with the, the life of our son, in a sense, I never confided personally in that medical team. I never sat with the head surgeon and poured out my heart to him. I had no reason to believe that they would even care to have a conversation like that with me. I had no reason to believe that they cared about me personally or for our family personally. Plus, I didn't know their character. I didn't know if I could trust them with personal, private information. I didn't know their character. In fact, when the bills started coming in for the surgery, I checked those bills very carefully because I was worried that they were going to overcharge us. On the other hand, I'll give you the example of my wife. My wife, I trust her more than anyone in the world. I trust her with my life. I confide in her. I try not to keep any secrets from her. And I do that because... Because I know that she loves me, I know that she cares about me, and I know that she's a woman of character. But, but, I might not trust her to perform surgery on our child, right? I might not trust her to, to put one of our children under and cut them open. If we were on a plane and it was going down, and my wife said, I'll land this plane, I wouldn't trust her to take on that challenge. She'd probably do a better job than me, but I don't think she could complete the task. And the reasons are obvious. Although I trust that she cares, and I trust her character, I, I don't trust her competency in those particular areas. I don't trust her aptitude when it comes to those things. The point is a simple one. 
we trust people, different people, in different ways and to different degrees. Our trust in people always has limits, doesn't it? As it should. We trust them in certain ways, but maybe not in others. That's wise. But the book of Proverbs is coming to us and calling us to trust God, quote, with all our heart. You see, what the Proverbs are calling us to do, it's risky. It's a big leap. It's saying trust God completely, without reservation at all, with all your heart. And here's why. It's because he is, on the one hand, steadfastly committed to your good. He cares. Also, his character is flawless. And thirdly, he has all the competency necessary to be trusted with everything in your life. He has all the aptitude necessary to be trusted with everything. Now, now, when you and I don't trust someone fully, it's usually because they, we feel like they fall short in one of those areas. Like we doubt them in one of those areas. It's either they don't care enough about us or we doubt their character or, or we doubt their competency. One of those three C's usually is what keeps us from trusting someone completely. And when we can't trust someone completely, we don't give them full access to our lives. We give them limited access. We're guarded with them in some way. But according to Proverbs 3, God deserves full access to all your heart. All your heart. These Proverbs, they are ancient Hebrew sayings. And uh, to an ancient Hebrew, your, your heart, it didn't just mean your emotions. Your heart meant the core of your identity. It, it meant what makes you, you, is what's in your heart. And so Proverbs 3, 5, when it says, trust the Lord your God with all your heart, it's saying you can trust God with all of who you are and with every aspect of your life and your existence. In fact, the Proverbs are telling us, if you really want to thrive, you want to enjoy life the way it was meant to be lived, if you want to grow and you want to enjoy blessing, entrust your whole self to the Lord without boundaries. Now, I think a lot of us here would probably say that God is trustworthy. I'm not saying all of us say that, but a lot of us, I think, would say objectively, yes, God is trustworthy. But stating that is very different from actively trusting him, isn't it? From actively trusting him with all of our heart, functionally, in, in, in recognizable, observable ways. And so this raises a question, and I think we should ask ourselves, are there parts of our lives, are there parts of your life that you don't trust the Lord with? Now, you might not articulate it that way. You wouldn't say in prayer, Lord, I don't trust you in this area. You might not say that. I would suggest to you, and I'll get to this later, you should say that. You should admit that to the Lord, as I should as well. But you might not articulate it that way, but, but there are areas that you have not entrusted to him. And if we look closely enough at our own lives, we might find that in those areas, we've placed our confidence elsewhere. For instance, when it comes to our future, just, the, the, just our future, as broad as that is, where's our confidence? Is it in the Lord with all our hearts? Or, or 
if some of our confidence kind of, uh, is it hedged, right? Some of our confidence is spread out over uh, things like money. We put our confidence in money, or we put our confidence in the, the health of the market, or we put our confidence to some degree in political parties, election results. We feel as if our future really depends on some of those things panning out the way we hope. And I would argue that to some degree, we're not putting our whole heart, all of who we are, we're not depositing it completely in trust towards the Lord. Or maybe it's not just our future, maybe it's our family's future, our, our kids, for instance, for those of you who are parents. Maybe some of us are putting our trust in grades and skills and performance rather than putting our trust completely in the Lord to do for our children what we desire, what we hope for, or other relationships too. Are there areas of our lives that we're not entrusting fully to the Lord? Here's one way to tell. Here's one way to tell, I think. Where are we most anxious? I'm not saying that anxiety is always the result of not trusting the Lord. I'm not saying that. Anxiety is a very natural response in many areas. I'm saying that where you are most anxious, I would encourage you to look at that area of life that makes you most anxious and, and see, is this a window into, is this providing me with, 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 a, with a view into some area of my life where I'm not completely trusting God? And if I were to grow to trust him more in this area, some of this anxiety would be addressed, it would be reduced, it would help. Where are you most anxious? I think that's a window into where we might not be trusting the Lord. Here's another way to tell. Here's another way to tell. If you are unwilling to follow God's counsel in some area, there's some area of life where it's clear God is instructing you, but you're, you're unwilling to follow his instruction. You're unwilling to follow his guidance in that area. I'll even use a word some of us don't like. You're unwilling to follow his commands in that area. Perhaps it's because you don't trust him there. You don't trust him there. You don't trust him with that area of life. You believe that somehow to obey him in this area, to follow him in this area, would do damage to me rather than help me. And so you put your trust elsewhere. I think we'll come back to that a little later, but to trust in the Lord to, with all of our hearts, we must be able to discern the voice of the Lord. If we're going to trust in what the Lord tells us, we have to be able to discern his voice. And his voice comes to us most clearly in the pages of Scripture. So we need to be receiving his word. Practically speaking, we need to be receiving his words, all of his words, and we need to accept them as true and trustworthy if we're going to learn to put all of our trust in him. But we also need to discern God's voice in the words of others. Here's what I mean. Someone gives you counsel, advice. I believe that we need to be able to discern when advice comes, when counsel comes, does this counsel that I'm receiving reflect what God has told me already in his word? Does it align with what God says is true and good and right? Is what my friend is advising me towards, does it, is it really from God? Or, or, or am I trusting in some wisdom, quote-unquote, that, that contradicts what God says? 
that might feel right in the moment, this, this, this advice or this, this way forward may, may seem sensible. It may seem good and appeal to me right now, but does it align or does it contradict what God has already told me is true in his word? We need to learn to discern God's voice if we're going to be able to entrust him with all of our hearts. We even need to discern for some of us, this is a battle. We need to discern, is what I'm telling myself really the voice of God? Does it align with what God says? Is, it, is what I'm telling myself really wisdom from God? Because for some of us, sometimes, I'll speak for myself, sometimes my uh, self-talk, as they say, what I say to myself, it can sound very believable, and it sounds very true and very reasonable to me in the moment, but I must ask myself, does it line up with what God's Word has taught me? Does my self-talk align with what God has said to me about my identity, about my worth, about my future? Am I trusting what he has told me about me? Or is some part of my heart really trusting lies? Lies that seem so plausible and so reasonable in the moment. Jerry Bridges, great teacher and author who passed away a few years back, wrote these words. He says, don't believe everything you think. He's not saying don't believe anything you think, but he's saying don't believe everything you think. You cannot be trusted to tell yourself the truth. Stay in the word. You see what he's saying here? He's saying, he's saying you can't always trust your words, so make sure you stay in the word. You're constantly receiving God's words, and to the degree that your words align with the word, then you're you're great. You're in great shape. But you also be able to, to be able to, you need to be able to discern where your words do not align with the word. And that leads us right into the second directive in this proverb. The second directive tells us this, do not lean on your own understanding. The key word here is lean, lean. What does it mean to lean? Lean means to put all your weight on something. Lean means to put all your weight on something so that if it breaks or it gives, you fall. We've all seen this sign on subway cars, right? Do not lean on the door. Have you all leaned on the door? People still lean on the door, right? Like this guy in the next, in the next image here. He's leaning hard on that door. If that thing opens, he's done. Maybe we've all been there. Imagine if that sign said, don't lean on your own understanding. I think commuters would read that and say, what does that mean exactly? Don't lean on my own understanding. What does that mean? What God is saying is shift all your weight, shift the load of your confidence away from your own thinking, your own understanding, and shift, shift it fully onto God himself. And by the way, when, when he says here, don't lean on your own understanding, God's not saying, don't think for yourself. No. He's saying, don't think by yourself. It's not don't use your brain and don't think for yourself. It's don't think by yourself. Don't think and reason in isolation from God and what he has already said to you. 
God is not instructing us here to, to forget about our experience and our intuition and our instincts and, and just throw all that away. No, your instincts, your intuition may be quite valuable to you. Your experiences can be a source of wisdom to you. Certainly, so much of the wisdom we've, we've gained over the years is probably the result of the experiences we've had in the past. God is saying, don't ignore all that. No, 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 no. But he's saying, don't, don't, don't trust your experience and your own knowledge and intuition alone. Don't make those things ultimate. Don't trust them above all else. In other words, don't put your full weight on that because it can't support you. It will, in fact, let you down. And if we spent any amount of time thinking about it, we can probably list the ways that we have trusted in our own understanding and we have been disappointed. Some of, We don't like to think about those experiences. Some of us try to block out those experiences. Like, I don't even want to remember those decisions I made when I was fully dependent on my own intuition, my own instincts, my own experience. I brought all my knowledge to bear, and I made a stupid choice, and it hurt me, and it hurt others. We don't even want to think about that, but, but I think it's helpful for us to think about it, to remember, to remember when we were leaning, leaning, leaning on the door of our own understanding, the door opened, and we fell. Look at what John Bloom says. He's an author who says, trusting for, by trusting fully in the Lord and not leaning on our own understanding, we're not setting aside our intellect. No, we're resting our intellect upon the intellect of God. And nothing is wiser or saner. You see, we all need wisdom that goes beyond our own aptitude and our own intelligence. We, we, we don't know what we don't know, right? We don't always know what we don't know. And so the safest, sanest thing we can do is trust in the Lord. Have you ever heard of the phenomenon of pilot disorientation? Pilot disorientation, or sometimes it's called spatial disorientation. Maybe Sam could tell us about this. I don't know. But I was reading about it recently, about the, Sam's a pilot, that's why I'm asking. But this occurs, this phenomenon occurs when a pilot's sensory perceptions start to conflict with the information that they're reading on the aircraft's instruments. The, the, for some reason, maybe there's the visibility is really poor, there's fog or there's clouds, or there's some kind of abrupt maneuvers happen, there's, there's, there's some kind of turbulence, and, and what ends up happening is the pilot feels so unbalanced internally, whatever, that, that it can result in the pilot losing spatial awareness and becoming completely disoriented and thinking that they're heading in one direction when they're actually heading in a different direction maybe even heading down when they think they're heading up. So there's this mismatch between what the pilot feels and what the instruments objectively say. And so what I've learned is that every pilot needs to be trained to rely on the instruments in those scenarios. Rely on the instrument readings. Don't rely on your own perceptions. Because if you don't trust the instruments in that moment, what awaits you is disaster. And what awaits your passengers is complete disaster. If you lean on your own perceptions. This year, I am sure that we will all have to make important decisions. And sometimes the decisions we make in 2024 are going to feel big. We're going to make big relational choices 
parenting choices, financial choices, educational choices. We're going to make ethical decisions that are going to feel big in the moment. But sometimes some of the decisions we're going to make are going to feel a lot less significant than that. They're going to be small decisions about how to spend our time moment by moment, how to begin our day, how to end our day, how to use our energy, what to care about, what to pursue. But in all of these decisions, big and small, we cannot afford to simply rely on what feels right in the moment, can we? We know that. If you woke up every day and just did whatever felt right or best in that moment, I suspect that your days would not be very healthy or productive if your internal desires are anything like mine. We can't just do what's easiest or what comes most natural. The demands and the challenges that we're going to face this year might in some, in some ways disorient us. We might feel so overwhelmed by the circumstances that we face that we feel like we're losing a sense of what's right and where to go. And so, that, so what happens is our ability to navigate our lives gets compromised. And in those moments, we all need to depend completely on the instruments. Not on what we feel in the moment, but on the instruments. And, and what I mean by the instruments is the objective truth of God's words to us. And the fact is that even when we're not disoriented, we, not even, we might not even know that we're disoriented. But, but the instruments, God's word, objectively, it's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. So even going back to the, the metaphor of the pilot, the pilot's instincts matter, right? Just as your instincts matter, your intuition matters. You've learned a lot over the course of life, sure. But those instincts and intuitions and experiences cannot be leaned on completely or leaned on alone. Romans 12, 2 talks about having our minds renewed. It calls us to have our minds renewed and transformed over time so that our perspectives, even our, our instincts, begin to become more and more in line with God's word. So that our intuitions are, are shaped by God's words and we start to even naturally affirm what he affirms and make decisions that, that align with his wisdom. And in a sense, that's what it looks like to become more wise. As you take in God's word and you grow to see his word as good and reliable, your whole perspective slowly starts to align more and more with his. Have you seen this happen over the course of your life? It's an awesome thing. It's a beautiful thing. Because it means that even your instincts and even your intuition will become more reliable over time as they're shaped by what God says, but not in isolation from what God says. We'll never reach a point when we can simply lean on our own understanding. No one studies their Bible enough and prays enough and goes to church enough where they get to the point where they say, ah, finally, I can now lean on my own understanding. I've accumulated enough experience and knowledge. No, we'll never reach that point. In fact, verse 7 in our, in our passage speaks to that. Verse 7 says it explicitly. Be not wise in your own eyes. Don't think that you got to the point where you can say, okay, I'm wise enough now. I can depend on myself. Don't ever think that, that somehow your point of view is now all you need. No. 
No. So that leads to another question for us. Where, where are you leaning on your own understanding? In what areas of life might you be leaning on your own understanding? How can you know? How can you know if you're leaning on your own understanding or not? Let me suggest to you this. When you're not inquiring of God, you're no longer searching his word or considering what he might have to say about this area of your life. You're not seeking counsel from other people who know and believe and love God's word. Or you're not evaluating the counsel that you're getting in light of God's word. These are all indications that you're leaning on your own understanding. There's peril involved in that. Proverbs 14, 12 alerts us to that peril. This, is, this to me has always felt like one of the scariest passages in the scripture for some reason. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It seems so right uh, to a human. <laughs> this should stun us. It seems so right, but it's the way of destruction. Can you relate to this? Can you relate to times when you felt like what you were doing was so right, but in hindsight you look and you say, no, that was a perilous way, headed towards destruction. I did damage because I stubbornly refused to abandon that way. It felt normal. It felt right. It, it was affirmed by others, and yet, and yet. It's meant to frighten us, but it's not meant to frighten us into paralysis where we're afraid to make decisions because we might choose the wrong way. That's not where God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live in a place where we're afraid to face the future and to make choices. No, and again, it's not a call to ignore your experience or completely distrust your own intuition. It's a call to not rely on them alone. It's a call to bring everything under the light of God's revealed word. And say, what do you say about this, Lord? And that leads us to the final directive in this proverb. The final directive is, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And the key word here is acknowledge. It means to know. And in some cases, it means to know intimately. We think of acknowledge as just like to like, you know, tip your hat. To, hey, what's up? You know, you acknowledge someone, their presence. Hey, what's up? indicate that you know someone is there. But this, this word has more to do with, with knowing intimately. It could also mean to recognize someone or to recognize something. And so in a sense, what the Proverbs is doing here, it's calling us to recognize the Lord in all of our ways. Think about what that means. It means in all of our ways. It means on every path that you're on, every road that you're on, in every experience that you encounter, recognize that the Lord is there. Recognize his presence in it. Know that he's there with you. You're not there, there alone. And so look to him for guidance. Don't imagine yourself navigating 2024 and all of its twists and turns by yourself. Acknowledge that the Lord is with you at every single step of the path. Psalm 23, which we sang earlier, what does it tell us? That the Lord is, is our shepherd. He's my shepherd. He leads me. He comforts me. He restores me. 
What's the psalmist doing in Psalm 23? He's acknowledging the Lord in all his ways. In all my circumstances and on every path, he's there. And so I want to, I want to recognize his presence there. One reason I think we feel so overwhelmed and one reason we feel so anxious at times is because we fail to recognize God's presence with us. We really do feel alone and we think we're alone. And I believe that one of the reasons we make unwise choices that dishonor God is because we fail to acknowledge him. We act as if he's not there. Christian, where, where, wherever you go, the Spirit of God goes with you. Your shepherd is present. And, 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 and if we were to internalize that, if we would, wouldn't, wouldn't we be more confident on the one hand if we believed that God was always with us? And, and not only more confident, but on the other hand, wouldn't we be more careful and thoughtful if we believed that God was always present with us? If we lived in the spirit of this proverb and recognized the Lord in all our ways, New Hope, it's, it's as we acknowledge his presence that we will grow to trust him more. We'll come to know him more intimately. Sadly, I think some of us, when I say some of us, I mean me, but I'm just saying some of us, I'm hoping some of you are, maybe I'm not alone in this. Some of us seek direction from God only when things get desperate. And maybe it's because we, we feel like we don't need him the rest of the time. Like uh, just recently I had this experience, but if you're a parent, you've got a little kid, sometimes you know what it feels like when you're walking with your child, maybe it's across a parking lot or across the street or through a park, or you're walking with your child and you can feel the kids start to like pull their hand away. And they're like, they're like they, they just want to get like away. And, and you're like, stop trying to take your hand away. Stop trying to take your hand away. They're like, just want to take, right? They want to break free and go running into traffic or something. The Proverbs call that unwise, and it recognizes that impulse in all of us to kind of think, okay, I needed you, Lord. I needed your presence. I needed you back when, you know, lost my job. I was sick. I had a big decision to make. But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Trouble has subsided. And so we start pulling our hands away. And the Proverbs say, no, 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 no. With all your heart, in every circumstance, acknowledge the Lord. The Proverbs calls to count, they counsel us to walk with God in all our ways, even the ways that we think we can handle. So will we do this? Will we acknowledge and trust him as we embark on this new year? You need to. You need to. Your family needs you to trust in him and acknowledge him. As you embark in this year, new year, you put yourself and you put your family in peril, at risk, when you refuse to. Just as our children put themselves at risk when they try to break free from, from us. God makes this clear so often in the scriptures because he, he understands this impulse in our, in our hearts to want to depend on ourselves. and He understands how natural it comes to us. And so he gives us warnings and promises like this in Jeremiah 17. He says, thus says the Lord, cursed, cursed is the man who trusts in man. That's heavy language. 
and makes flesh his strength, who turns, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see any good come. And he shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in uninhabited salt land. I can't think of more desolate language than this. That's what it looks like to trust in self. But here's the promise in verse 7 that comes quickly. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. <sighs> For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought and it does not cease to bear fruit. You see the image of safety, vitality, it's flourishing and it's confidence and fruitfulness. What else could you ask for? This is the promise to us in this new year. If we will trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge him. As we end, I want us to just think practically, how do I know if I'm trusting in God? How can I tell? Here's some questions to ask yourself, and these are not meant to shame or condemn any of you. They're meant to provide some practical direction for us as a community. And these are hard questions, I think, to answer, so I encourage you to wrestle with them. Um, how do I know if I'm trusting God? Here's the, here's the one question to ask. Do I plan with prayer? Do I plan with prayer? And I don't mean just the kind of prayers that say, I came up with a plan, Lord, bless my plan. I've got a plan in place, Lord, do your thing, make this work. No. I mean this kind of prayer, like Psalm 139 that says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous, wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You see, this is prayer that humbly says, Lord, give me wisdom to navigate well. And, and correct me if I'm misdirected. Smash my plans, Lord, if they're foolish plans. This is, a, this is a prayer that ultimately says, your will be done, not mine. Do you navigate life prayerfully? Second question, am I eager to hear God's take? Am I eager? Are you eager for God to speak into your life? Are you exposing yourself to what he has said to you in the scriptures? I'm not just encouraging you to read your Bible as some kind of uh, some kind of obligation or requirement that, that God has, has burdened you with. And if you're a good Christian, you're going to do it. I'm encouraging you to read your Bible in this new year out of a sense that you need to hear what God has to say to you. And that there's safety in hearing and receiving what he has to say to you. The great English preacher and pastor Charles Spurgeon once said that a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. A Bible who's, that's been handled and read and poured over and it's kind of gone through it, it often correlates with a heart that feels more secure and stable and safe because you're taking in God's word. We can't acknowledge the Lord or trust him with all our hearts if we're not receiving his word. 
As a matter of fact, I've got some reading plans for anyone who maybe you were thinking you'd like to have a reading plan for 2024. You haven't started one yet. You would like one. I've got a simple reading plan, several copies of it up here on this little table. Feel free to grab one. You can grab it as you leave. You can grab it as you come up for Lord's Supper in a moment too. Um, it's a simple plan that will take you through the New Testament in the new year, through the New Testament in 52 weeks. I'm not saying this is the only way to read the Bible. I'm not even saying it's the best way to read the Bible. I'm saying this way to read the Bible is better than not reading the Bible. So I would encourage you, if you're looking for a plan, take hold of this one and try it. It'll take you about five to ten minutes a day. Third question, am I willing to be disagreed with by God? Am I willing to be disagreed with by God? It's a clunky question, but what I mean is when you and God see things differently... There's some issue, some, some issue that you're wrestling with, or there's a choice that you have to make, and you're approaching it, and, and God's saying one thing, and your feelings are saying something other. Are, are, who wins in that situation? Who wins? Going back to that pilot metaphor, who's going to win? The sensibilities of the disoriented pilot, or what the instruments objectively say? Are you willing, are you willing to obey God even when you disagree with him? or you don't understand why. And last question, am I willing to accept what God sends whether I understand it or not? This is a hard one. Oh, this is so hard. And God asks us this question, but he asks us with patience and with compassion and understanding. The pages of scripture show us our forefathers who experienced sickness and loss and disappointment and continued to trust God and it wasn't easy. And so we faced potential loss and disappointment and sickness in the new year. Are we willing to accept what he sends even when we don't understand it? That doesn't mean that we're going to receive it. We're not going to wrestle with it. We're not going to ask questions. We're not going to try to reason through it. We're not going to struggle. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying finally and ultimately from a place of humility and trust, will we accept? Will we put our lives fully in his hands. The beautiful thing, New Hope, is that we will grow in trust as we lean on him and we see his wisdom. This passage that we read today ends with this final word of assurance. It says, he will make straight your path. What a wonderful word. Straight doesn't mean easy. <laughs> It doesn't mean easy. Straight path means the right path. Straight path means you will get where you need to go. And although it may be a difficult path, and it might be a long path, and it might be a frightening path, it's ultimately the safe path and the best path. This is the assurance that God offers us. It's the promise for all who will trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. It's not the promise of a comfortable year. But it's the assurance that, that this infinitely competent God who cares for you infinitely, he will direct your path to take you where you need to go. And he will accomplish his perfect will for your life. That's meant to be assuring to us. I wonder if it might be a little scary to you too, though. If, if you like to be in control... <laughs> If you like control, then hearing he'll take you where you need to go, it's kind of assuring, but it's also a little scary. It's like, but wait a second, where, where is that exactly that I'm going? Because we don't know what God's plans are for our lives, not the specifics anyway. 
Will my family be healthy in 2024? Will I keep my job in 2024? Will I find love? Will we be financially secure this year or next year? I don't know. So, so when we hear he will work out his plan for you, we might say, great, that's wonderful, but I don't know what that plan is, and that is nerve-wracking for me. And that's why we need to go back to the very first line of our passage. Relax, relax. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning on what you know or want to know or don't know and rest on him, on what you know about him. This is our hope. This is our hope. And I would say that the first step in trusting him with all of our hearts, before we can trust the Lord with all the circumstances of our life here and now, we need to trust him with our eternal well-being. We need to trust him with our destiny. On the cross, Jesus Christ showed us his deep care for us, infinite care for us. He showed us the quality of his character, too, on the cross. He showed us that, that he was a worthy sacrifice because he was perfect, holy, and sinless. And he showed us on the cross his perfect competence, his power. He was able to defeat sin and arise again from the dead. Who else can do that? He's displayed for us. Jesus has in the cross, in the gospel, the care, the character, the competence that deserves all of our trust. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to trust him with your soul, with eternity. Because unless you trust Jesus with your eternal soul, you'll never know how trustworthy he is with everything else. And oh, how trustworthy he is. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for the instruction you give us in your word. And we thank you for the assurance that comes with it. We ask that you would help us, as, as counterintuitive as it seems, to trust you even more than we trust ourselves. Oh, Lord, how hard is this? Help us. Help us. Show us your faithfulness. Convince us of your care and your character and your competency. And we pray that over the course of 2024, no matter what comes, we'll find ourselves at the end of the year saying, my trust is more fully in him, and he has proven himself faithful. Amen.